Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at thegala417.com. Hey, it's intern John. Get more from your store with Safeway's Fresh Pass program. Enjoy more services like unlimited free delivery and all your grocery needs. More exclusive perks like 5% off every day, your favorite organic or open nature items across the stores, and more rewards that never expire. And now, enjoy a limited time offer and save up to $5 per pickup order with a Fresh Pass subscription. Get Safeway's Fresh Pass to enjoy exclusive perks, unlimited free delivery, and more. Start your 30-day free trial today. Visit Safeway.com slash Fresh pass for program details hello everybody welcome back and thank you very much for joining me it had the head of a dog what is stalking the northumberland hills now as regular listeners will know howard forest the cheviots and the simon side hills are places where there are multiple strange encounters and the odd seven foot hairy hominid report now, over the years many people have shared their encounters by making reports on strange figures, paranormal and unexplained events, animal mutilations, strange crafts and lights, ghost lights, missing hikers, and even the odd cryptid creature. Now these stories and folklore in the area go back generations in time. Northumberland has many forests and most of them are accessible to the public. Although there are miles of woodland paths where you are unlikely to meet another soul, there are also several more popular areas, waymarks, trails around the Simonside Hill. The area is popular with wild campers due to the many out-of-the-way places, and many of the areas mentioned here will be familiar to them. The reports in the area are usually made by people walking the dog, hiking, mountain biking, camping, just everyday people doing everyday things. I wonder when the next strange encounter will be reported. And if you will be that person making the report. Now the Simonside Hills have an ancient legend of malevolent dwarves. These dwarves are described as dark and mischievous pests. Tricksters that attack innocent travellers in the night. They are known to lead hikers astray. Usually after dark with lit torches. that attract attention. And they lead the unsuspecting follower into the dark box. And over the crags and precipices which would lead to certain death. An example of this can be found in Tibbet's English Fairy Tales 1902. He tells of a traveller who, whilst wandering upon the moor, saw a glimmering light and found a little hut containing the embers of a fire, two rough grey stones and two old gateposts. He sat down on one of the grey stones and was adding some brushwood to the fire when a small human-shaped figure pardon me, not higher than his knee, came waddling in at the door and sat down on the cold grey stone. The traveller remained silent, so not to anger the creature, but he began to feel cold, so he snapped a piece of wood over his knee and he laid the pieces upon the dying embers. Now the strange little intruder seemed angered by this and he picked up one of the gateposts and he broke that over his knee. <clears throat> he broke it into two, 
and he added that to the fire. Now the traveller, not wishing to anger his host further, just permitted the fire to die away and he just remained silent. It was not until dawn the following day, when the dwarf and his house had disappeared, that the traveller realised the true extent of the danger he'd been in. He found himself sat upon the grey stone, but at the edge of a deep rugged precipice, where he could have easily fallen to his death with a single movement. But let's get back to unseen predators that growl at passers-by, and some strange experiences sent in these last few months, and a few modern-day accounts. This next account was shared with me by a fellow researcher, Growls and Mistra in the Simonside Hills. I took this account on the 12th of June 2017, and the gentleman said, Hi everyone, I've been meaning to post this story for quite some time now. I hope you find it interesting. It may or may not have something to do with a connection to the UK Bigfoot or Woodworth, but it's a strange experience I had some years ago. My wife and I, along with our German-wired hair pointer Oscar, took a trip up to the Simonside Hills in Northumberland. The area is beautiful and it has stunning views of the crags, deep forests and lots of moorland. There are ancient legends of strange creatures here. I know for a fact that a large wildcat inhabits the Kielder area after seeing one on a trip to Kielder Fishing Lodge about 11 years ago. I saw a large grey cat sitting at the side of the road and at first I thought it was a fox but it sat up and it had a long thin tail and it also had pointed ears and a flat face. It strolled slowly into the trees at the side of the road. This cat was about the size of a Labrador. Anyway, to my story. We decided to have a walk up the hill near the ancient hill fort of Lord and Shaw. We parked the car in a small clearing and we walked a considerable distance up the hill. The flies started to become a nuisance and we thought it best to head back down the hill and have our sandwiches in the car. I was walking close to some hazel bushes, and my wife was about 30 yards away to my right, and Oscar, our dog, was beside her. Suddenly, I was aware of a loud growling sound coming from the bushes beside me. It didn't sound like a large cat growl, more like the growl of a very large dog. My wife, at that point, hadn't heard the growl, and neither did Oscar, so I didn't say anything. As we got further down the hill, about another 50 yards, I heard another loud growl, louder than before, and it came from within the trees. This time, my wife shouted, Did you hear that? And I said, Let's get back to the car. And we quickly walked down the hill to the car park. Suddenly, to our horror, we found that whatever was making the growling sound had beaten us to the car somehow and was now in the trees directly in front of us, making even, loud, even louder growling noises. I told my wife to quickly get in the car and I dragged Oscar to the back end and put him in the boot. And it was at this point that I was truly scared as I looked around for some large stick to fend off whatever it was, to my mind, was about to spring out at me from the trees. I got into the car and I breathed a sigh of relief. Whatever it was had stalked us all the way down the hill for over 300 yards and by the sound of the growl it was extremely large. 
I have read lately that apparently American Bigfoot have been known to mimic animals, even humans. And that's what the event felt like. I remember a story on the local news of someone discovering a tent in the Simonside Forest that had been left hastily with expensive equipment lying around. It was thought that someone must have had an accident and the mountain rescue team had been sent out to look for them. After two days, somebody phoned the police and said it was their tent and equipment. They'd been scared after hearing frightening sounds in the forest that caused them to panic and run back through the woods to their car. The story appeared on the news at 10 and several daily newspapers picked up the story at that time. Anyway, that's my experience. I don't fully understand why our dog Oscar didn't hear the growl or sense that something was there. He's usually very alert. So if you're going to the Simonside Hills in Northumberland, take a big stick with you. Or better still, go with somebody that can walk very fast so that whatever is out there doesn't catch her. I wish that I could have seen whatever it was, but from the safety of the car. Have you ever heard of instances in the UK of people experiencing growling sounds before? I just want to make the point that whatever it was, it was very big, and the sound it seemed to make was artificial, if that makes sense. I've never heard anything like it in my life except on a visit to the zoo. <clears throat> now, I did manage to track down the newspaper story and it was published on the 12th of the 12th, 2006. And the um, title was Scared Campus Solved Mystery. And it says the police managed to trace two gentlemen who had abandoned the camp and left all of their belongings behind. The gentlemen explained that they'd left the woods after a terrifying night where they heard strange noises around the tent. If those gentlemen are out there listening, I would love for you to get in touch. It may be of interest to you know just how many other people have experienced the same thing. The gentlemen were escorted back to the forest by the police so they could recover their camping supplies um, and a concentrated sweep of the area was carried out. Now, many of you will know Fel Wanderer as he is a well-known wild camper and a fellow YouTuber. Um, and he usually passes on any reports that come in to me. And this next account came to me that way. <clears throat> he was contacted by the witness about a strange experience they had at Harwood Forest. And Damien put his both in touch and I took the gentleman's account over email. And this account is called The Fallow Lee's Luff Growls. We had a couple of lovely days and I was off work, so I decided to do my first long walk of the year. So I drove up to Harwood Forest. I parked in the forest lay-by and set off to walk the rest of the way in. I headed up to a small lake called Fallow Lee's Luff, which is roughly around four miles away from where I'd parked the car. About half a mile from the lake, you pass a very remote house. It's inhabited, and as you approach it, there is a small field with maybe 10 sheep in it. And the other side of the track, there's a run for the house owner's noisy dogs. If I lived up here, I'd have noisy dogs too. Once I'd reached the lake, I sat on the shore and had something to eat and a cup of tea. And I was just enjoying the solitude. The only things I could hear were frogs croaking and a buzzard that was floating over the trees. 
I've spent probably an hour there before deciding to head back down. As I set off, I could hear the dogs barking in the distance. And a minute or two later, a couple of cyclists came up the track. I had a brief chat with them about the weather and then carried on, passing the house once more and the dogs. Probably at about 500 yards or more further down the path. You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are Body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B O D I.com. 92% of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Because of cycling? We also have a treadmill and Peloton guide. Guide? The thing that counts your reps? Yeah, it turns your TV into an AI powered personal trainer. And with training programs like A Stronger You, Peloton Guide takes all the guesswork out of working out. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton Tread, Guide, or Bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.ca slash home dash trial. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When I heard the first growl from inside the forest, I stopped and listened. I tried to peer into the thick conifer plantation, but without any luck because the foliage was thick. Then came another growl, a low, deep sound, like a large dog would make. I stepped forwards towards the noise and it intensified and I could hear the foliage move. It was then that I backed off and the growling stopped. I decided it would be best to just carry on walking. I can't be sure, but I thought I heard something pushing through the undergrowth. When I started leaving... But I didn't really hang about to find out. I returned to the car without further incident. Although at one stage, it felt like I was being watched. But that could have been my imagination. When I got back to my car around 3.30, I sat and had a drink. And I got chatting to a lady who was walking a German Shepherd. And she asked how my walk was. And I jokingly replied it was great. Apart from the fact that something had growled at me. I couldn't see in the trees. She immediately said that she'd visited Harwood quite often and on one trip she'd let her dog off the lead so he could go into the trees and within seconds the dog suddenly came running up the path with its tail between its legs, obviously frightened by something and now the dog refuses to go back up the track. 
that it happened on. What is a bit strange about my incident and something I find confusing is that if whatever was hiding in there had kept completely still and quiet, I would have carried on down that path totally oblivious to it. At times, it actually feels like whatever was in there growled to get my attention. I also notice you have a report of mysterious growls being heard at Simonside Hills and they are only about two or three miles from where I heard mine. <clears throat> now there is another strange report at Sidworth Clough and the account came into me through the BBR page on Facebook. I just put up a video about the earlier Harwood accounts and a gentleman contacted me and gave me permission to share his experience at Tarsit Burn, close to Sidworth Clough. I've experienced some strange things up there, and so has my friend, he said. I've been going walking the area now, whenever I can, for about three years, I think it is. I'm from Newcastle, so it's a bit a ways from me to get there, and I fair walk in once you're out of the car, but it's certainly worth the effort. I've experienced some strange things up there, and so has my friend. The first incident was not actually with me, but it happened to my flatmate who I usually go hiking with. This happened sometime in 2017. My flatmate went out without me and he decided to go up there pretty much at the crack of dawn so we could take some photographs in the magic hour. He wasn't expecting to experience anything other than an early morning photo shoot. So we got there really early and he hiked on for a bit through the woods. Now in this area and somewhere near the middle of the trees, there is one house and it's surrounded by woods and it's on its own. I think it may be the ranger's house. Just past this house, there's a huge pond. So my friend gets to work, getting set up, he gets his gear up and he gets up his camera and everything's set to film and take photo still shots and he does just that. Nothing happened and he came back home happy with the day. It was when he looked at the film later, he noticed a strange audio coming from the area he was filming in. It was around 6.30am and on the camera's audio, away from the background, you can hear crunching and branches being snapped and broken and quite a lot of unusual noise. Then three big tree knocks, one after the other. These tree knocks happened twice. I asked him if he'd spotted anyone else around and he tells me, Absolutely not. No one else was around and he'd never come across another soul whilst out there on his visits prior to that. He said he was so focused on what he was doing that he never even noticed any of the noise at the time that it was happening. Now the second incident was sometime later on in the year when we were up there again. This time we went in together and we'd stopped beside the same ranger's house in the middle of the woods as there's a couple of picnic tables outside. And we just started having a cup of tea when we heard this almighty bang. And to be honest, it sounded like a massive log being thrown against a tree, then a lot of commotion and crashing and banging. It sounded like something big was rushing through the brush at speed, moving trees and brush as it went. Now we both ran over to where the noise came from. And nothing was there. Whatever it was, it seemed to be moving very fast for something that had just thrown a massive log about. 
We were a bit spooked to say the least. I went back up there just a few weeks ago and this time I actually decided to do some tree knocks myself. I did a couple but I heard nothing back. The first few times I did it nothing happened. But as I got closer to the house in the middle of the wood, I did it again. I did another three knocks. Silence for about a minute and I got two separate knocks back. I thought that was interesting. I also checked the house as I was passing to see if anyone was there. The whole place is shut up and empty and no one was about that I could see. You rarely see anyone else in these woods when you're out here. On a side note, I started going there. Since I've started going there, I've always felt like someone is watching me. As you walk about or when you're going through the woods, it feels like you're being constantly observed all the time. I have been to many forests and this is the only woods that I felt like that in. It's just like you're being watched. Well, that's it up to now. I'm looking forward to going back there and I'll keep you updated with any finds that I have. That feeling of being watched is mentioned often by many people all across the UK um, and across the world, to be honest. It crops up in cryptid reports, in paranormal events, unexplained events, this feeling of being watched from the trees and it feels like eyes are on you and, you know, you can't get rid of it. Now, a witness from Simonside area who has knowledge of the strange Durigar creature, I think I've probably pronounced that wrong, it's one of the local names for the dwarf, um, he said, I've been told that the, the little dwarfs are most active in April. So you... Must have missed high season, he says. I think he's joking with me. A friend told me of something that happened to a man he knows several years ago, and he swears it's too. There are accounts of witches' covens that used to go up to Simon's side in the 70s, and the rumours were that they danced naked around the fire, all very scandalous. So after a night of boozing in the pub, this local man decided to go up there and spy on them. He saw lights in the distance, and he snuck up on a small group. But as he got closer, he was terrified to see their faces were ugly and mangled and far from being nubile females. They were in fact dwarfs. They saw him and gave chase and he ran for all he was worth and he made it back to the car. As he struggled to get his key in the ignition in the dark, all he could hear was the scraping of long fingernails on the car windows. He lived to tell the tale. Now, a much more recent report, um, and far less dramatic, happened in 2018. And it was a gentleman who got in touch with me, and he actually saw a figure walk across the path. And he says, I've been a keen motorcyclist, and I like motocross, it's my hobby. And I try to get out whenever I can. And I had a really strange experience back in September that I was hoping you could help me with. I've decided to get in an early morning ride, and I headed off to our Harwood Forest, I love to ride there and they have a trail set out for motocross. So after I arrived, I've been riding for a short while, I saw something. It was about 8am on a Sunday morning. And what I was seeing was impossible, but it was right in front of me. And I couldn't confuse it with anything as nothing else looks like it. I was on a motocross bike, so I wasn't quiet or anything. I didn't sneak up on anyone. And by this time, I was on the main track going through Harwood Forest itself. I noticed something coming towards me. It was all one solid 
colour. I thought it's something in the paper or a ghillie suit at first. As it's just one overall colour. I couldn't make out any clothes or anything like that. As I thought it was a person, it didn't bother me. And I just planned to go around them. So I dropped the bike down into second gear and sped towards them. And at this point, they were about 250 yards in front of me. And they just went into the trees. I stopped where I'd seen them. I put the bike against the tree and I looked for what it was or where they'd gone. And there was no tracks, no flattened grass or anything. I still don't know what or who it was to this day. I used to go to Howard every Sunday for a ride around. And this morning I was going up the main track from the village. I was in high gear to keep the bike noise to a minimum. And when I got just past halfway up the main track, I looked up and something human walked from left to right. As I said earlear, I honestly thought it was a person in a ghillie suit. I thought, how strange. I'm still unsure as to what it was. Just all I can think of was it. It was the same colour everywhere, a dark brown colour. I didn't see its face or anything detail. It moved and it looked like a person, but it was not a human. I could see that. Now, many of the accounts I've mentioned, I've mentioned that the witness felt the noise, kind of that the dog had some kind of noise. And this growling sound, this, they'd say it doesn't sound like a cat, it doesn't sound like a dog. I mean, it very well could be one of the many large cats because there are lots of them seen in Howard and all across the northeast. In fact, there are so many forested areas this side of the Scottish border, it would be ideal habitat for a large cat. But many of them mention this almost dog-like look and the fact that other canines pick up on them first. And I can't went into Linda Godfrey, who many of you will know. And she's an American cryptozoologist and she takes reports of upright bipedal canine creatures, which you would probably call a dogman or a werewolf or something like that. And this happened in not far from Cresswell, actually, in 1989. And it was the gentleman that wrote in to her and he said, the night of our encounter was not long after I bought my car. My friend Sean and I were out driving around local towns and villages. We were just playing some tunes on cassette and generally just driving around. It must have been late because it was dark by the time we passed through the small village of Cresswell. So I'm assuming it was about 11 o'clock at night. I remember we were heading southwest from Cresswell to Wellington on Cresswell Road and we were having just passed the entrance to the caravan site. I had not yet had the opportunity to test the extra fog lights on the front of the vehicle and I wanted to see how bright they were in the dark. Sean was looking in the glove compartment for a different cassette and I told him I was going to switch the fog lights on. So we're coming up the slight right-hand bend and there was a six-foot wall, dense foliage on our left and a normal hedgerow bordering a field to our right. That's when I saw something run out in the middle of the road. Wasn't going very fast, probably about 30 miles per hour max. And had it had ample time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To get across and I had ample time to slow down. Even to stop, but I didn't. I think I just crawled the car towards it as I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It had run out onto the road from my right and it stopped in the middle of the road looking directly at the car. It was covered in thick mousy grey or brown fur about two to three inches long but it was stood on its rear legs which were jointed with the knee at the rear like a horse or a dog. Its upper arms were drawn by its side and it held its forearms out in front of it with its hands and long fingers hung down in the wrist. They may have been long hands or long fingers, but I remember the hands from the wrist to the fingers as just being very long. It had one foot in front of the other, as if in mid-step, and it seemed I'd caught it in surprise. And while its body was still facing in the direction it was travelling, the head was facing the car. I remember the eyes, which reflected the light back at me, being perfectly round and a green or yellow colour much like that of a cat's eyes when caught in a light. He stood about five to six feet tall, but it was kind of hunched over. And even then, I'd say it wouldn't have been over six feet tall. It stood erect. It had what seemed to be a very muscular body. Not big or bulky. More wiry with powerful limbs. It had a thick chest and a small waist. And it also had a short tail maybe four to five inches long. Definitely not as long as most domestic dogs. Personally, I'd describe it more like a goat's tail. And after seeing this, I mainly searched for sightings of satyrs in the region, as this was the closest thing I could relate that to. Its head and face were like that of a dog or a goat, as in not flat like a human's face. It had a muzzle and quite large ears. I do not remember seeing any teeth, and it didn't have horns. The whole encounter could not have lasted more than a few seconds. I assume it regained its composure after being caught off guard, as it took off over the six-foot wall and threw the foliage atop in a single bound. Although I often drive by the area, I've never seen it again. And for how I felt, well, I was in shock at first, like when someone gives you a fright. I shouted, Sean, Sean, to make sure he was looking as he was fishing around in the glove box. I just couldn't take it all in. After it had gone, we were still going really slow. We were looking back to where it had disappeared, and I felt terrified. I've always considered myself a fairly macho type, and I'm not easily scared. But there was no chance of me getting out of that car and following it. In fact, as we drove on a ways, there was a guy walking his dog further up the road, maybe half a mile, and for a moment I even considered telling him not to go down that way. We slowed down, but we honestly didn't know what the hell to say, and we decided he was far enough away from it, so we just kept going. We were still also really shook up at this point, 
We hadn't just had a drink. We were not under the influence of any drugs. And it's very hard to talk about it. As quite frankly, most people automatically do not believe you. I wasn't sure if you would, to be honest, or even do. As I imagine, you must get a few folks who try and pull your leg. I just wanted you to know that, that this happened. I can't tell you exactly what it was that I saw. And I cannot put a name to the creature. Now, Felwondra, as many of you know, is a well-known wild camper. And he has so many subscribers and followers who write to him most days. He's always been a great source of sightings for me. As people share with him their encounters, and he always asks if he can pass the account along. Um, and as in the early account, this is an account from a wild camper in the area, in Harwood Forest. And they were at Mount Hooley Bunkhouse. And they said, myself and my son D Dylan stayed at Mount Hooley Bunkhouse around four years ago now. It was a November night and cold and dark when our experience happened. It was only me and my son who were staying in the bunkhouse that time and we had it all to ourselves. About 9.30pm, we were outside chopping logs for a warm fire when we heard a howl. The howl carried on for a while. And whatever was making it, but got progressively closer to us. And I reassured my son that it would be a sheepdog down in the valley. Because they make sounds and the valley changes and distorts sound. And your imagination can kick in. Now the howls did start to die off. And they got more distant and less frequent. And that settled him down and nothing else happened that night. We started the fire again in the morning. And as we sat burning logs and having a laugh about the heavy night... We had breakfast and we packed up and went home. We came back the following year in the February to find the howling a lot more distant this time when we heard it and less frequent. We returned with my cousin for the third year and as a tradition, we always walked the hen hole prior to a big steak supper and a roaring fire in a beer. We set off and we approached Bisley Crags in the snow and as me and my cousin came up, we saw a large Alsatian-looking dog running away from us. Well, we followed the tracks that the dog left and they disappeared, but there was not a soul around. My cousin is the most scientific non-believer in anything and really sceptical, but even he witnessed that strange dog. We got drunk that night talking about that dog, but sadly we fell asleep without knowing if the howling had happened. We returned the following year, this time with ten strong walking party. Three of us heard the howling again. I have yet to return this year, but when I have asked the locals and the bunkhouse owner in the past if they've heard the howling, they claim to never have heard a thing. Now between Howard and Mount Hooley, there's a place known as Thrunton, and it's a beautiful area not too far from the coast, and like Howard is, it's fair share of weirdness. In fact, you could throw a dart at a map of Northumberland and you wouldn't be too far away from a weird creature or an event impossible to explain. Morpeth, Kilda, Bollum, Weardale, Amstelay, all have similar reports. Thrunton has some very similar reports to the experience that happened at Harwood. This account happened in 2015 and a gentleman said, I had an experience in Thrunton Forest with a friend in June of 2015. There was no visual sighting of anything as such, just the most god-awful smell and the sounds of something crashing through the bush. We tried to search the area for some dead animal or something natural to explain the smell, 
but it's very thick in there. And after a hard search, we found zilch. I go to this forest a lot, and I often feel I'm being watched when I'm there. Here's what happened that day. Myself and my friend from Australia travelled to Thrunton Forest, so I could show him the caves up on the crags. We followed the red trail to where it splits and joined the trail on the northern side that leads up to the old part of the woods. About 50 yards onto the trail, there was some loud crashing in the bushes, which were very thick and dense, and they were very densely packed. And then we both smelled a truly disgusting smell. It appeared on the breeze. It smelled kind of like body odour mixed with wet dog. But it also had a quite muskiness to it, but worse. We both stepped into the bush. We split up and we went in two routes to see if there was a dead animal. There was not any to be seen and no visual source of the smell. We were both puzzled and then we started to hear more crashing, moving away from us and the stink faded along with the crashing noise. We came out and carried on up the crag for the rest of the day. Coming back the same way, we noticed no trace at all of any odour or noise. Now I'm up at front of the forest a lot, and sometimes you definitely know something's watching you. You can feel it. Some places feel welcoming, yet others are very closed off and have a strange atmosphere. Another area many of you will know is in Morpeth and it's called the Borough Woods. And it's a small area, not far from Morpeth. And this gentleman says, I was working in the area a while back. At the end of the first day's work, we were heading back to base on foot as it was a lovely evening. We were walking along the River Wandsbeck where there was this oddest noise from the top of the site where we'd just been working minutes before. I can only describe it as a tremendous scream, but it didn't sound like any animal I've ever heard, and it didn't sound very human either. It really stood out to me as unusual, and that's what's made us all stop and listen. Everybody looked up to where the noise was coming from, but due to the density of the trees and the thick brush, we couldn't see a thing. Too many shadows and movements for us to be clear on which place to concentrate your eyes in the hopes of catching sight of whatever was making the screaming noise. We just shrugged our shoulders and carried on. It certainly wasn't a bird, and I couldn't see it being one of the other examples of wildlife that live in the vicinity, red squirrel, roe deer, otter, fox, badger, all those kinds of things. It certainly spooked me at the time, though. Following that, whenever I get the chance through the week, I nip in, I have a look for mysterious footprints or paw prints, which should have been evident given the muddy conditions, but of course I found nothing. Another area not too far away, the Langley Ford. There's a hill called Hedge Hope, and it's in the Cheviots. It and the Cheviots itself stand above a little farm called Langley Ford. Anyway, to reach Hedge Hope from Langley Ford, you have to go past a couple of crags, then over an isolated and properly desolate moor. Every time I've crossed that moor alone, he says, I've had the sensation of not being myself, and I've heard out of phase footsteps beside me or behind me. Last time I was there a few weeks ago, one of the dogs set to furiously barking at absolutely nothing, and she's not the sort of dog to do that. When I got home, I had a proper look at the map. There appears to have been an ancient settlement there. 
Now, legends say that the old cobbleway stretching from Carbridge to Berwick in Northumberland is known to some as the Devil's Causeway, and it was built, supposedly, by a race of giants called the Jotuns, or the Ettins, and not far away, near Alnwick, the woolly man of Rugeley has been sighted over centuries. <clears throat> and many people mix that report up because it has the word name Rugeley in it. They usually put it with the Canuck Chase report, so it's a completely different um, <clears throat> area and country. It is Rugeley that's near Alnwick uh, on the border there. Now, a Newcastle antiquarian, Richard Heldslop of 1842-1916, reported legends of a mysterious wild hominoid creature known in the Cheviots as the Brune Man of the Moors. Monster or lost cave manias. After mysterious creatures recorded in the local legends in the shape-shifting spirit known as a brag, and that's spelt B-R-A-A-G, and that's reported at Low Fell in Gateshead, people feared the nightly apparition of the Portobello brag at Pelton, County Durham, another would appear in the shape of an ass luring people into dangerous swamps and marshes. Brags are often associated with the marshes, which were real death traps before the marshlands were drained to become farmland in recent centuries. Upon the moors, other evil spirits, such as Ginny of the Lantern, would use mysterious blue lights to lead unwary travellers off safe paths into their deaths. Miners in the pit village of Callington feared a boggle, that haunted their cholera. They believed the boggle would cut the ropes on which the pitmen's lives depended. So they called the boggle Cutty Soames because the ropes were called Soames. Various cantrips, and that's a traditional Northumbrian magical charm, were used for protection from the brags, boggles and witches. Rowan, witchwood and purple clover were planted around homes and gardens. And talismans such as holy stones which were normally stones with a hole in that were placed above doors as protection against the dark forces. Now, the rural communities of Northumberland and Durham, as elsewhere in Europe, say fairies and elves are serious. It's a serious threat in their families, their homes, their livestock, and above all, their children, who could be stolen by fairies and replaced with a changeling. Among the most frightening creatures of Northumbria, and the borders with a troll-like race known as the Red Cap. These goblins always appeared in the form of old men with bright red hats, but there were no garden gnomes. Their caps could only retain the cherished redness by being bathed in the blood of recently murdered human victims. The Red Cats were in the Cheviots of Northumberland and the borders. They were kind of what vampires were to the Carpathians of Transylvania while the brags were often found near to swamps and marshes. The hills and mountains were the home of monsters, evil fairies, hairy, dark, wild men and goblins. Close related to the brags, and just as wicked, were the gists, sometimes called guests or bar guests. These evil creatures would also seek to frighten people and lead them away from a known and safe road to their Myra and marshy demise, or perhaps lead them to walk into the darkness of the Cheviot night over the edge of a precipice, often taking the shape of a horse, a donkey, or a monstrous large dog. Geese can also shapeshift to appear as men, 
or even stacks of hay. But always their intention was to trick humans for their own amusement and to lure them to their doom. Now the monster of Troll is Gil. Where the brown river waters flow through the dark ravine of the Gil, it appears to be making a desperate attempt to flee. Dark caves yawn, mysterious and forbidding, almost daring you to step beyond their jagged jaws and confront whatever malevolent forces might be lurking within. Legends say that trolls live deep inside the dirt. Dull-witted, hairy cannibals with stinking breath and huge noses which help them sniff out the blood of their human prey. At night, they leave their carnivorous vaults to patrol again, attacking lone wayfarers, exchanging human babies for their own hideous offspring and indulging in a good deal of petty theft. But worse still, he's the spectre of the bar guest. A hideous demon dog with long black hair and flaming eyes. His dreaded growl chills the blood of those that hear it, and the sounds of his paws padding across the cold, wet rock can reduce even the most intrepid wanderer to a nervous, shivering wreck. In the 19th century, a young man who sneered at such legends is said to have entered the gill one night, intent on capturing and enslaving the beast. His lifeless body was found the next morning, torn, and bleeding on a rocky ledge. Massive claw marks gouged deep trenches across his chest, and his face was hideously contorted. His frozen expression of abject terror. A vivid testimony to his last desperate moments, spent gazing helplessly into the fairy eyes of the bar guest. Now, one of our members kindly sent over a PDF for me, featuring many of the strange reports found in the northeast. I mean, and they were all new to me. This one most certainly was the Cragside Monks. A well-known Rothbury businessman tells his story. He was driving home to Rothbury following a convivial evening in Alnwick. It was about one in the morning and the night was dark and weather was not too good. There was a light drizzle over the moors, but visibility was okay and he made good time. Over the new moor crossroads and up over the hill, over the moors towards Rothbreath then down towards the town. As he passed Deb Dunpit, Co- Deb Dunpit Cottage and entered the woods, a mist swirled through the trees and slowed him down. A good decision given that the visibility had dropped to only a few yards. So he's driving, crawling along, peering through the windscreen and he sees a movement in the mist and he stops. And just in front of the car was a line of figures moving slowly out of the woods down the road. There was probably about a dozen or so, but he could not make out specific details. These figures seemed to be shrouded in some way, maybe with long dark cloaks and cowls, and their faces could not be seen. They shuffled down the road and disappeared into the crackside. He continued slowly to Rothbury and just past Tumbleton Lake, the mist lifted. And after that, it was all plain sailing and he made it home without further incident. A few days later, he was discussing this experience, which by now had been slightly embellished to definitely describe the figures as monks, when someone mentioned the old nunnery at Cartington. This, according to records, was an almshouse founded by Dame Mary Charlton for four widows at the end of the 17th century. Someone else mentioned St Helen's Chapel 
in more or less the same vicinity, which marked on some maps, and then the discussion turned to the Pilgrim's Way. They headed towards the Holy Island. And the problem was, the apparent direction of the group, they appeared from the woods of Debden and disappeared into Craigside. And that's the wrong direction for the Holy Island. A few inquiries over the next few days produced no solution. No visitors in groups to Craigside, no walkers arriving late, no monks in the area. In short, it's all a mystery. Our friend was very shaken up and he doesn't believe in ghosts or apparitions and he's certainly sober that night. So what could have happened? He never mentioned this story again till he read that some years ago someone else in the village claimed to have seen a band of soldiers armed with pikes marching down Cemetery Bank towards a bridge. But as I say, the mystery remains. There's certainly a lot going on in the Simon Side Hills. And if you go out even further into Weardale and Kilda and everywhere, there's just reports everywhere you go. But there is a distinct line of sightings that almost runs in a route. Um, <clears throat> and it's certainly an area where I would imagine, as I said before, that there are going to be other reports from. They go back centuries and, and many of them are very modern. So I will actually be travelling up to Bollum um, to meet with some of the members and the witnesses that are mentioned here. And we'll be joined by some BBR members and local researchers. And we're going to be there on the 29th of March, 2020. And we'll be close to the Bollum Visitor Centre. You're welcome to come out and join us on the day. We normally just have a cup of tea and a chat and we exchange experiences and just subjects that we're interested in, that kind of thing. And if you're worried about phone, not finding us, just pop me an email across to debbiehatswell at gmail.com and we can make sure that you find us on the day. Um, and we'd love to have you out. You don't have to be a member and you don't need any experience or anything like that. Just come out and have a chat with like-minded people, discuss the subjects that you like. So thank you very much for joining me. And I really appreciate everything that you do for me that enables me to carry on doing this podcast. I'd like to say a big thank you to my patrons um, and a massive thank you to all of the volunteers at BBI. If you'd like to join us, just pop me a line at that email um, mentioned earlier and you'll see a link in the description down below. So until next time, thank you very much for joining me. Good night. <laughs>